All right, welcome back everyone to another episode of Timeout Talk. We're your hosts, Raphael Singer and Hunter Leon. The NBA season has commenced. You know, we're getting back into the swing of things. We've already had a slew of games, and there's a ton to talk about. So let's just jump into some of the games that have already played out this week. Um, we already did a bunch of predictions for these games, so we're going to go through uh, the outcomes of these games and see how our predictions panned out. Starting with opening night, first game of the season, Nets first Bucks. The Bucks end up dominating this game, one twenty-seven to one hundred four. Giannis goes off. Um, both of us predicted the Bucks to win, so I mean we're we're already one zero for. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is a, a new chapter for us. We will be right on everything. We'll never get anything wrong. As yep. you'll see later in this video, we definitely didn't get any of our predictions wrong. <laughs> um, so, you know, just before we get into all of this, though, I, I'm like to say, I just want to say I'm so happy we're back to NBA basketball. It's so nice to just be able to turn on the TV, you know, listen to the radio and just boom, basketball. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. But the only downside is that my productivity is definitely going to dip <laughs> because when I'm, my, st- my study time is down, <laughs> you know, if I'm at a situation at this crossroads where it's watch some random NBA game or do some homework, I'm going to be choosing the NBA game every time. So, um, you know, pray for my grades in college. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think we're both in the same boat, but I think we should also just talk, break down these games a little bit. Yeah. But, just going back to that Nets Bucks game, just what do you think of the Nets and what do you think of the Bucks? Anything you see from them that you think will carry on throughout the season? Like, what's the deal? I mean, yeah, Giannis just came out like looking like you just took the Giannis from the finals and just dropped him into this game. He looked like he did, didn't have to waste any time warming up or getting adjusted to the season. He looked prepared, he was dominating the whole game, both ends of the floor, as we come to expect with Giannis. Um, the whole Bucks team just looked like one solid unit. Chris Middleton was firing on all cylinders. Grayson Allen, who made his debut for the team, looked really good. And, and for the Nets, I mean, what can you really say about them? KD, like he, he played well. It's just they, they just kind of look flat all around the board and uh, definitely were missing Kyrie, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they could have just used the extra scoring boost, but – I think the, the key thing here was that the Bucks came ready to like just rev up the engine real quick. Boom. They're ready. Whereas, you know, the Nets, they, their, their tank is a little older. Their, their engine's a little slower. So they got to just kind of hit it a few times, got moving a little slow. So, you know, yeah. Giannis is ready. Yeah, no. And I expected nothing less. I think you did too, because we were yeah. with the Bucks. So we're what we were one out, right? Moving on to the next game, Lakers-Warriors. We're 2-0 because we predicted the Warriors to win this one. Unfortunately, you know, the new-look Lakers came out and actually – Played well the first half. Yeah, they played well the first half, but then things sort of got uh, out of hand in the second, and the Warriors end up winning this one 121-114. to 114. Steph Curry had, what, like a double-double, uh, double, a triple-double? I don't even know. Yeah, Steph Curry had a triple double. He, that was his eighth triple double in history. His history is in the game, by the way. And do you want to guess um, what what team do you think Paul George was playing on when he got his last triple double? I'll put it that way. Indiana. No. Yeah, 
Yes. Oh, really? Paul George no was way. in Indiana when Steph Curry got his last triple double, I think in 2016. That's actually crazy. So that is wild. That's been five years since Steph Curry had a triple double. And not only did he get a triple double, but he played very poorly. Yeah. Like, this was not a good game from Steph Curry, which is insane. Yeah. I mean, Steph was just not hitting shots. Uh, we could talk about Steph, uh, you know, in the next Warriors game where he did was hitting shots. But this game, he the shot was just not falling for him. But he was still able to make an impact, as we could see, by the triple-double. And Jordan Poole was really a guy who stepped up for the Warriors and took on a lot of that scoring load. Mm-hmm. And Russell Westbrook was a guy who stepped down. <laughs> <laughs> really stepped up for the Warriors, you know. <laughs> it made it a 4v6, if that's what you want to call it. But, yeah, he definitely was not in uh, Lakers shape. We'll call it that, if you can call it that. But, you know, it's going to take time. So, moving on to the next game. Wait, can I just say? Oh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James did great this game. Both had 30-plus points, 10-plus rebounds each, and just looked like they were, you know, the best duo in the NBA. And but Yeah, so- but if on that, if you're going to lose – how can you lose with LeBron and AD combining for 60 and 20? Like, that is an unacceptable loss if you yeah, are the rest no of the team. No one else did anything. Like, not even a single person stepped up remotely. Not Melo, not Rondo, not Dwight. No one stepped up. And, you know, the Warriors, you saw the way they were playing. They didn't need any individual player to, to go off because the system and the ball movement allowed everyone to just sort of get great looks and – not require some individual heroism to win this game. And I think, as you said, Westbrook looked really, really out of place. Like his role, like you could tell they are still figuring that out. And I'm going to, it's going to be interesting to see how the Lakers end up making him work because so many times he's taking these jumpers and the Warriors are more than happy with it because he bricks them all the time. Westbrook is yet to hit a three in a Lakers uniform. That's a little rough, but uh, I'd love to talk more on this subject, yet this is not a Lakers podcast. (laughs) So we should move on to the Hornets-Pacers game, which we had a little bit of disagreement. I said that the Pacers were going to win a very close game. He said the Hornets were going to win a very close game. We One of us was right, and it was you. I was right, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah, um, this was a great game. I really enjoyed watching. I watched the fourth quarter. and the Hornets barely slid by one by one point. So this was a very narrow margin of victory, and LaMelo played great. It came down to DeMontis Sabonis taking the last shot, and he missed it. What do you have to say about that? Look, he wanted to miss it, and <laughs> I'll tell you why. It's He's playing the long con. He's, he knows that the next time that they play each other, the, the Pacers are going to be way more fired up and they're going to be ready to dominate. Right. Now, okay. they, they don't want to win a close game. They want to absolutely smack them. They want to demoralize the Hornets. So the way to demoralize them is by losing this game so they have an advantage in the next game. It's brilliant. See, look, he has such a high IQ. It's it's fascinating. I've read many books on it. DeMontis. <laughs> yeah, specifically his basketball IQ. So that's what you're doing in college. Um, but in all seriousness, like, Sabonis actually did have a pretty decent game. Like, he played well. Um, 
a guy we're going to talk about later, Chris Duarte, really impressed me for the Pacers. Um, and Malcolm Brogman, too, played really well. But it just wasn't enough. The Hornets battled back, coming back from a pretty big deficit, powered by LaMelo Ball, who was getting MVP chance this game because he was playing so well, you know. He's doing everything, passing the ball, shooting it from deep, and just looked great. And, you know, Miles Bridges played well. Um, and just the whole team started clicking once the Mello got them fired up. And they ended up winning this game. And so I, I was just impressed by the Hornets overall. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to agree with you there. Moving on to the next game, my favorite game of the week so far. Definitely. Let's talk about the Celtics-Knicks game. Um, this is a game that went to overtime. And the Knicks won it 138-134. to This game was close the whole entire time. And um, sorry, not Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown absolutely went off. And I think that was the second highest scoring debut in all time, second to Wilt Chamberlain. Uh, I don't think so. I think it was it was definitely up there. But I know like Michael Jordan had a higher. Um, I think maybe he, I think it was maybe third or fourth. Then I, I know I, I know it was up there. I saw it was on the list. Yeah, it was up there. But I know like Kyrie also had like fifty. Brown had Brown had forty six. Which don't get me wrong. Oh but, yes, sorry. Okay, yeah. I think I think it was like third or fourth most. Yeah, no, it was up there. And, yeah. and Jalen Brown had a terrific game. Like he looked like the best player on the on the court at all times. And he had some crazy big shots for them. I'm thinking of that, that logo three to keep them in the game and eventually to send it to overtime. Um, and he just looked mm-hmm. horrific. Shame he couldn't keep that momentum into the next game. But, like, sticking to this, I was a little disappointed by Jason Tatum and by Dennis Schroeder especially, who missed a lot of big threes down the stretch. And Tatum, there were so many big moments where he could have stepped up to the plate. He just didn't. He fell flat. He missed shots. Um yeah, I mean, I think this just kind of continues to – it's going to be something that hinders Jason Tatum for his career until he can figure something out, but he's just not clutch. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a big thing to throw around. I'm just saying I don't think Jason Tatum is clutch, and he can prove me wrong. I'd like to see him prove me wrong. But as of right now, I mean, you saw in the bubble he missed a lot of shots that could have sent it to overtime or to win the game. Um, you're seeing it again now. So I just think that Jason Tatum isn't a guy who's really been stepping up historically in his career to those big moments. And I'd like to see him do that. Well, I can't really disagree with you because no big shots come to mind. Um, but yeah, there's no. only one I can think of. And it was in the postseason in 2018 when he was a rookie. Right. I mean, yeah, he definitely stepped up there against LeBron in the conference finals. Um, but like, yeah, this, this was not great for him. I mean, I can actually think of one he had, he did have a game winner, I remember, against the Knicks in Madison Square Garden, I think two seasons ago. But, you know, if we're if we're reaching all the way that far back <laughs> and that's the only thing I can think of, then maybe have a point. Yeah, so I just think that I'd like to see Jason Statham step that side of his game up a little bit, just calm his nerves, whatever it takes, that mental side of it. But I think that they're going to be in trouble if this is going to be the trend for them. Yeah, and I mean, talking about the Knicks here, because we've talked about the Celtics a lot, I will say that I was really impressed by the whole Knicks team. Everyone played well, basically. Like Mitchell Robinson coming back, had a great game, double-double. Evan Fournier, we're going to talk about him later too. But he was amazing, especially in the fourth quarter and in overtime, just hitting big shot after big shot after big shot. You can see why they paid him that big extension. Mm -hmm. 
Um, or not extension. Why are they giving them that big contract? Uh, RJ Barrett looked great. Obi Toppin especially. I think he set his career high at points. Like, he was making a lot of big plays for them. Uh, and Derek Rose down the stretch. Like, cool and calm under pressure, as always. Such a great piece for them. And Kemba, who wasn't uh, terrific. We're also going to talk about him later. Um, he did his he did his job, and they ended up winning this game, um, even though they almost let it slip from them. That would have been such a Knicks way to lose after being up like 10 in the fourth quarter. Um, but, yeah, I, I was impressed by the Knicks in this one. Yeah, uh, I totally agree with you here. I think Julius Randle especially proved all of his haters wrong, that this is him, and that yeah. it wasn't a fluke. And, that I mean, he's continued to show that so far in this season. And I would love to see him keep up this, you know, kind of momentum and like continue to stay like a top 10 player in the league purely based on like statistics and like the way he's playing. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely like Julius Randle impressed me a lot because I was a little skeptical coming to the season that Julius Randle could repeat what he did last season, but he showed me that he's for real. And this t- type of play is something that we should expect from him and wasn't some outlier fluke that was just a result of the weird circumstances last year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Moving on, let's talk about a a little less exciting of a game. But, you know, one I wanted to talk about was the Wizards-Raptors. Yeah. I think we both had the Wizards winning this game, so this is another – No, I said the Raptors are going to win, unfortunately. Oh, okay. So I said – so now we're switched. Now we're each 3-1 and here. Um, But, yeah, I said that the Wizards were going to get this dub – not surprising. Four and Scotty, one. We're four and one. Oh, four and one. Yes, we're four and one. But um, yep, just a typical. I think what you'd expect. It was one night, or sorry, ninety-eight to eighty-three. So just a pretty wide margin of victory. Bradley Beal played well, and just nobody on the Raptors was really stepping it up. Yeah, the the Raptors looked like dead in this game. It was really depressing to watch. Honestly, nobody played well. Gary Trent Jr. didn't do anything. Scotty Barnes didn't really do much. You know, like, it just the, the whole team looked uninspired, and that's really reflected in the score. Putting up 83 points in a modern NBA game, like, it's pretty sad, honestly. And the Wizards, I'm not going to say they played great, but they played good enough, and that was all that it took to just absolutely smash this Raptors squad and blow them out of the water. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's what it takes. I mean, Montrez also played really well. Yeah. So we see, we're seeing that that is one of the bigs that the Wizards are going to decide to play. So we're going to have to see how they move forward with their rotations. But um, the biggest highlight of this game was that Drake was there, <laughs> <laughs> which shows you how this game really went. Exactly. It's uh, not much to be excited about. So I think we can just move on to the next game which was the Rockets versus the Timberwolves. I had the Timberwolves winning this game. I think you had the Rockets winning this game. No, I said the Timberwolves because I remember no, I was, did. I'm, a big, I'm big on the Timberwolves. I'm big on the Rockets, but like the Timberwolves, I've, I'm confident in them this season. Yeah, so Cat came out with a big game, 30 and 10 from him. It was really nice to see him back in action, and they dominate 124 to 106. Yeah, what were your thoughts on this game? Um, like generally – I just thought this was a little bit of what you'd expect coming from the a team with D'Lo and just like D'Lo, Cat, 
Anthony Edwards. Some guys who are young, but they're they know how to score. When they're going up against a team who is pretty new generally, like it's the Rockets. So all these guys are very young. Jalen Green's gonna be his first game. He's gonna have those rookie nerves. And I think that was a little bit reflectant. I think that Christian would definitely need to step it up a little bit more than he did. He did not play incredibly. But uh, yeah, he he here says 16, 9, and 3. That's not what you want out of the guy you're expecting 2010 from, like ever in night in and out, especially in like a first game. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nobody played incredibly. Jalen Green actually was really inefficient. He was four and 14, but like I said, rookie nerves. So, yeah. This game sort of went exactly as you expected. Like the Timberwolves, they're also young, but they've been around the block. Cat's been in the NBA for a few seasons. You know, Anthony Edwards, he has a season under his belt, and you got some veteran leadership in Pat Bev. Um, and you have like very quality players in Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell. The Rockets are just so young around the board. Um, and you could definitely see that Jalen Green is adjusting his game to the NBA level. Um, he missed a few dunks, missed a lot of shots. Um, Christian Wood, we know he could play to a higher caliber, but he just didn't. And Timberwolves just sort of dominated this one. And that, that's pretty much all you can really say about it. Moving on to the next game, we have the Suns versus the Nuggets. And this was one I don't think either of us were really expecting. Um, we did talk about it a little bit, but the Nuggets ran away with this game, 110 to 98. Unfortunately, I think you predicted the Nuggets and I predicted the Suns. So I think, I think you win this round. Oh, yes, because what ended up happening was I said that I think the Suns are going to start slow because you have Chris Paul, who's an older guy. And you have the Nuggets who are going to want to get a little bit more revenge and Jokic always performs. That's what I said. Yeah, you did say that, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I think that's wonderful. Uh, well, I tend to disagree with that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Chris Paul, he went 15 and 10, so he didn't. He wasn't too bad. But looking generally at this game, Devin Booker didn't do much. He got he was 12 and he got 12 and four. That, that's not going to get it done from yeah. your star. Uh, DeAndre Ayton is definitely isn't securing the bag if he's going to be getting 15 and six every night. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like nobody really just stepped it up. Whereas on the, sorry, uh, I just, a video popped up on my screen. I was looking at the ESPN stats and like <laughs> just, you know, one of those side videos, it's like yeah. just a random play from the game that just like blasted my ears. <laughs> but uh, looking at the game, yeah, Jokic played great. He had 27 and 13, and like the, those usual numbers for him. Uh, Will Barton stepped it up. He was the one who moved into the starting lineup for them. And mm. I, I just think that this Nuggets team did their job. They got it done. I mean, yeah. they were like, hey, man, Jamal Murray's not here. Let's step it up. All of them realized they needed to do that, especially coming into this first game where – this is going to set the tone for the season against a big team, a team that swept you. That's what, that's what they want. Yeah, no, and I think the Nuggets have to be ecstatic about how this game turned out. They they did their job. They played really well. The Suns started slow. Like, they never really got the ball rolling this game. Um, Jokic, as we, as we predicted, like, he came in and just looked like MVP form immediately. Didn't – no slow start for him. And all the Nuggets role players, they stepped up across the board and ran away with this one. So 
I'm excited to see how the Nuggets continue to do this season, and uh, they're off to a great start for sure. Yeah, and uh, I think those were all of our predictions. So I think we can move on. I want to play a little game. Let's talk about teams who are looking promising versus teams who aren't. As far as some promising teams, what do you think of the Heat? The Heat, I mean, how can you say they're not promising after what they did, the systematic dismantling of the Milwaukee Bucks, putting up 40 in the fourth fourth, first quarter, excuse me, against them. Tyler Hero looks like he's back in bubble form. Jimmy Butler is balling. Kyle Lowry just has fit right in immediately. And the guys they've added, you know, for that veteran toughness from Markeith Morris to P.J. Tucker, they're doing their thing. And then Bam Adebayo looks like his he's only improving his mid-range jumper, which is only going to help the Heat, like, have a more dynamic offense. So I was really impressed with the Heat. I think they're playing the Pacers as we're recording this podcast. So it would be kind of a dud if they ended up losing to the Pacers as we're recording this. But after what they did to the Bucks, I have high hopes for the, for the Miami Heat. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think them they did great. And they played so many guys in this game. If you look at their rotations, I think they played a total of 14 guys. That is ridiculous. Um, but every guy played well, you know. Uh, all their guys who started uh, played pretty well. I mean, they did their roles. P.J. Tucker didn't have an incredible game. He had eight points, six rebounds. He's never going to so, fill up the stat sheet, though. He's always a guy who's like, he's got the intangibles, you know. Like, he's got the defense – He'll always like be sending the right picks and and making those like gritty plays that's mm-hmm. just gonna elevate your team. He yeah, the, championship basketball. The only guy I could really nitpick in this game was Duncan Robinson. He just wasn't very efficient, two for eight from the, the three point line, which is not what you want out of him. Yeah, but, I mean, if if I'm really having to nitpick Duncan Robinson's two for eight from the three point line, you know they're playing pretty incredibly. Um, on the butt side of things. They really shut down Giannis. You know, they didn't use the wall. They actually had a real system to just destroy this Milwaukee Bucks team. You know, this, this is what they've been trying to do for the past three years. How can we beat the Bucks? So they made a team that can do that. Uh, and they held Giannis to 15 and 10, which, you know, that is not Giannis numbers. Yeah. No, like they, I was just impressed around the board with Miami and just it showed how deep the roster is. When you have guys, like, at the very end of the bench, like, you know, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent, who are getting minutes and who are actually quality players, it just shows how deep this team is. Um, and you have a guy like Victor Oladipo, who isn't making his debut yet, but will, and he's going to provide some impact and more scoring. Um, and I'm just impressed with Tyler Hero again to bring his name up because he had a really off season last season, and we scrutinized him a lot. But now he's come he's come out and looks like he's here for real this season. So hopefully he's able to continue that. Um, and, yeah, I think we are very excited about the Heat. So let's move on to actually the team they were playing, uh, which is kind of awkward, <laughs> and talk about the Bucs. So I, I don't yeah, think that's so, good. So. Well, the Bucs definitely kind of really played piss poor in this game. You can really just credit why they look promising to the fact that Giannis has yet again improved. That, that, this is why the Bucks are look good. It's because, yes, you know, in their first game they came out and they destroyed the Nets. But aside from that, 
Giannis looks kind of like he has a shot. He has a he has a free throw. He has a little bit of a hook shot, a little bit of a mid range, which is wonderful for if you're the Bucks because that means it is going to be so much harder to play defense against this team. Um, and that I'd say that's the biggest reason they're promising in my eyes. But obviously, also beating the Nets by twenty, they're going to put you way up there. And these first few se- games of the season are always going to be rocky for every team. So. I'm not going to read into these all of these games and say, oh, the Nets are going to suck and the Heat are going to be amazing and the, the Bucks are going to be sucky against the Heat. Like, we don't know any of that because it's the first few games. But I can definitely say that Giannis looks incredible. Definitely. Um, so, I mean, I definitely agree with all those points. So let's move on because there's only so much we can say after, like, two games. So let's just move on briefly to another team that looks good. Let's talk about the Knicks really quick. We already talked about the Knicks mainly. So, you know. Just reiterating a little bit. I mean, looks like they only improved basically, which is which is a good sign. And it looks like those improvements may have been pretty substantial. Like the next game they played, they just absolutely destroyed the Orlando Magic. I know it is the Magic, so it might not mean a, a bunch, but just shows the Knicks like they're just improving on what they had built last season, and the pieces they added are only like are just working, you know. So the Knicks are looking good. Uh, let's talk about the Hornets really quick. Um, this is a team I'm very excited for. I mean, just as a fan of the game, this is this is really the type of team that you want to see, like a young core growing together with, you know, a little bit of veteran presence and a guy like Gordon Hayward. And they're just fun. They're just a very fun team led by LaMelo. And I'm very excited to see where they lead because they've been – coming out and they've been dominating a little bit i mean they beat the pacers that was well not super unexpected that was a little bit of an upset considering that the pacers are a very well constructed roster and they've been a perennial you know seven eight seed for a while and higher in the past and then they come out again and they beat the Cavs. i mean yeah the Cavs suck but they beat them i mean they got the dub they're two and out right now and Lamelo, like i mean Lamelo looks like this guy could be an all-star this year you know he was playing so well his first game back that he was getting MVP chance. So, and and the rest of the, the squad is like playing really well. Even though Kelly Oubre shot really poorly in his debut for the Hornets, like he still made a good impact. And PJ Washington played really well. Um, I was impressed by Miles Bridges as per usual. And this team, like you said, they're super young, but I think now that they have a season under them, they're really just going to, like, the sky's the limit for this team, you know? Like, they, they're they powered by a, a could-be superstar. So the, the amount that they can improve is really limitless. Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, moving on to the next team, let's talk about the Chicago Bulls. This is a really fun one. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. So let's get your thoughts. I mean, the Bulls, man, like, we knew they were going to be good, but they're exciting, man. They're fun. I like this team a lot. Um, Zach Levine is just looking like an all-star again, just powering this team, dropping 30 after 30, um, you know, game after game. And they're getting wins, and they're making these exciting plays. Lonzo Ball is fitting in perfectly, shooting the ball really well from three, playing great defense. DeRozan just lighting up the statue, doing DeRozan things. Caruso, you know what he's going to be doing, making those dunks, getting the – the arena fired up. I like I liked this Bulls team a lot, man. Yeah, this Bulls team is going to be fun. 
Um, I really have enjoyed the way Lonzo has been playing. Um, he's stepped it up a little bit. He got another triple-double, which was the eighth of his career. Then you also have just like Caruso looked fun. And like you said, Zach Levine looking hot. He's just looking like an all-star again. And I think this is this is obviously this is his team, but now this is a, a chance where he really has a time to be the star on a squad that's good. So yeah, I think and, this uh, is an exciting year for him. And I, I want to see where this team goes for sure. Not talking about Vucevic. I mean, like, he's also playing pretty well. So, like, all the pieces are firing right now. Yeah, he, Vucevic is doing his job. I mean, right now he's the leading scorer for the Bulls through the half of the, yeah. the game tonight. So, oh, and we haven't even talked about DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> I talked about him a little bit. Oh, sorry. My bad. <laughs> I, I, I was trying to just zone you out because your voice is so horrendous. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, that is very DeMar DeRozan. Like, you, he's a guy who, like, sort of flies under the radar constantly. So, <laughs> uh, Next team, we talked about him a little bit already, but the Warriors. Let's hear your thoughts. Warriors, like, Steph is looking like the best player in basketball right now. I mean, what he did against the Clippers, dropping 45 and 10, hitting crazy clutch shots from the logo um, to just, you know, beat a really solid Clippers squad. Um, just I'm, I'm excited by the prospect of this Warriors team and even more excited when Klay Thompson is going to come back. But the guys that they've added are really stepping up, you know, like, uh, Otto Porter Jr. I liked what he's been doing. Um, the rookies have been playing pretty solid. Um, I like until Clay comes back too, man. I know it's gonna be. It, they can only get better. And Jordan Poole, like this is a guy who might win Most Improved Player. Like he is looking like a very, very, very solid point guard in this league, and I think his game fits perfectly within Steve Kerr's system. So I like the Warriors a lot, and. I think they're going to be end up being a very high seed this season. Yeah, I'd agree. So next, we have a little segment. I, we want to talk about four players. Who oh, have surprised. We wait, we got to talk about the teams who have oh, not been good. My apologies. There's still more to talk about. I just wanted to try and avoid it because we're going to talk about my favorite team, the Lakers. Yeah, let's talk about them. Oh, oh boy. I really love talk shooting on my favorite team. Mm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. My favorite. I, I really love pooping on my favorite team. Let's just let's talk about them briefly, okay? Because they are <laughs> worth talking about. The Lakers, you know, coming in, they're one of the teams with the highest expectations. You know, this is a championship or bust roster. You have Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Russell Westbrook. This team is built to win a championship. And so far, they're 0, 0 for 8 if you count the preseason. They haven't won a single game with this roster. And the fit just looks awkward. They, they don't know how to make it work. They got – they were getting blown out by the Suns. We, we talked about that, that game against the Warriors. But they were getting blown out by the Suns. They fought back a little in the fourth quarter, but it was too little too late. And try, I don't know how they're going to end up making it work. I know they will eventually, but, um, yeah, it's just – it's a lot – like all the question marks we had surrounding this team are really – showing true yeah um i think there's a little bit of a solution here i'm not sure it's one that the team really wants to go towards but the way i see it working 
is I think Russell Westbrook needs to be the ball handler for this team, and LeBron needs to not take the ball off the court. When they are together on the floor, Russ needs to be the one taking up the ball. There were plays, in the, especially in that first game against the Warriors, where you see the Warriors make a shot, and Russell Westbrook goes to pass. like He grabs the ball and goes to like throw it to the guy on the sideline. But it's LeBron standing there, and LeBron is waiting for Russ to pass it to him. So each of them is like, hey, give me the ball so I can take it to the court. And then Russ gives it to LeBron because, you know, LeBron's a guy. But then Russ just goes into the court and stands in the corner. You know, he doesn't have much to do. So I think LeBron in that situation, if LeBron were that guy, he could do more than what Russ can do uh, off ball. I just think that just simply speaking, even if LeBron, LeBron is the guy you want running the offense, Russell Westbrook can't do enough off ball to make that ballot. So do you think Russell Westbrook's like merits as a ball handler or as a point guard outweigh like the, or outweigh the downsides of making LeBron essentially into a, a three point shooter catch and shoot three points. No, shooter. you're not making LeBron a three point shooter. You're just not making him your primary ball handler. But that's where LeBron excels. If you're telling me you're going to take the ball out of LeBron James' hands? Yes. How well he's played? I, I honestly think you can because, look, the way LeBron has played so far this season hasn't required him to have the ball in his hands constantly. I mean, he's been taking more threes, yes, but, like, those are all coming off of his own, like, creation. Like he's taking And you think Russ can't more. create for him? I don't want Russ to create for him. I want LeBron to – feel the offense as he wants it to be you know I, I think they can do that I think that can coexist that I, I agree but I think that when you have LeBron and Russ on the floor the ball's in LeBron's hands and then when LeBron's but off, then what is Russ doing what do, you, what do you think Russ is going to be doing obviously you don't want him shooting the ball Russ needs to cut and he needs to move off ball more but how can you have him cut when the guy who's in the paint is Dwight Howard or you have Dwight or DeAndre Jordan there and AD's also there. You, you just have space to cut. You have to figure out the lineups because, I mean, the Lakers, they do have shooting. They just have to play the right lineups. You play a lineup with Malik Monk, with Melo, with even Austin Reeves, who looked good in his, like, few minutes that he had. Um, you just got to make it work because I don't think LeBron is the one who should be making sacrifices on this team. He's the one who we want to make 100% comfortable because he's clearly the best player. Okay. We'll have to agree disagree a little bit, because I think LeBron has the ability to make those sacrifices more than Russell Westbrook has the ability to. No, I agree that he does have the ability, but it's like, do you want him making sacrifices? Do you want LeBron James sacrificing part of his offensive game for Russell Westbrook? I don't think so. I don't, I well, if it makes the team better, I would. Anyway, moving on. Let's talk about the Pels. I mean, obviously Zion's out, but even then, they've been very disappointing. Yeah, I mean, the Pels, like, no Zion. They, they're disappointing, but they're not, because this is sort of what we expected. I think that uh, an adjustment that the Pelicans can make to really improve their team is have B.I. become the, the primary ball handler on this team, you know? Like, you want the ball in his hands most of the time. He's got to play, like, the Kevin Durant role. Um, and I think that would improve this team. But without Zion, this is basically a lottery team. So, um, yeah, I don't really know how much more you can you can advocate for this team. Yeah, and uh kind of sucks because, you know, this is a, a 
a team that has had guys that, as a Laker fan, you know, I love B.I., but it's just not a team that's well-constructed. So we'll, we'll see what happens in this season. They're yeah. definitely not going to be out of the lottery. Definitely not, If especially if Zion doesn't come back anytime soon. But let's, let's move on quickly and talk about the Celtics, who beat – or sorry, who lost to the Knicks and then got absolutely destroyed by the Raptors – so what what do you what do you think of the Celtics? Are they in trouble? Like what's what's up with them? Uh, I think the Celtics are yeah they are in a little bit of trouble. I mean, I think we talked about it a little bit before. Jason Tatum is just not looking like himself, and uh, hasn't been clutch. Whereas Jalen Brown has stepped up to the plate. He did at least in the first game, but then you look at the second game and he kind of. He just didn't show up. And the reason being, I was looking at the injury report, his knee is bothering him again, which was the reason he was held out of the last playoffs. So if we're going to see him have some injury issues, that's definitely not a good sign for the Celtics team. And we also talked about some other guys like Dennis Schroeder, who was not looking good. We're, we're talking about, I mean, this, this team just is not – is not playing to the expectation of their team. And I think, like, if they're losing to the Knicks in overtime, like, yeah, that was a, a great job on the Knicks. But they have to do be doing a better job of, like, playing defense especially. I think, like, their lack of a big man was obviously shown in this game by Julius Randle and Mitchell Robinson. So I, I just think they're going to have a lot to work on. No, for sure. And, yeah, I mean, like – the, the game that really troubled me was the one against the Raptors because losing to the, the Knicks in overtime at MSG is understandable, but, like, losing at home to the Raptors, like, you're letting Scotty Barnes score 25 points on you? Like, what are they doing? And everyone on that on that day looked terrible. Even Jalen Brown, who had a terrific first game, looked awful. So, I mean, it's obviously still early, and I know I was talking high about Jason Tatum, but – not looking so great. So let's talk quickly about the Trailblazers. Yeah, I mean, Dame didn't look incredible in this first game. I mean, he put up 20 and 10, which obviously is great, but he missed a uh, game tying shot, which is not expected from him. Obviously, not he's not going to make every clip shot, but we've come to expect that from him. And CJ was the one who really took the load because I believe he scored 36 points or 37 points in that game. So, I mean, sorry, it's 34 points. He scored 34 points. And, you know, you don't want the load to be on CJ and Dame fully, but if none of your other guys are going to step up, it's going to be that way. And that's not going to keep Dame happy. Yeah, I mean, I was disappointed by this because you're if you're playing a team like the Kings, this should be a win all day, you know? But they didn't win. Um, and it's yeah, Harrison been... Barnes went off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's that's what he's gonna do, you know. Harrison Barnes on the Kings is a different animal. But the Trailblazers, they're in for a rough few games. They they play the Suns, then the Clippers, and the Grizzlies, um, then the Clippers again, um, then the Hornets, then the Sixers. So they they play a lot of like really solid teams coming up and that's this is going to be a, a, like a challenge for them and, and really be a good barometer for us to see what the trailblazers are made of this season i think we both didn't have the highest expectations for this team but you know it could be worse than we think and we know dame like 
his place in this team is sort of tentative. Like, if they keep losing, then maybe things will shift in Portland. Yeah, I mean, I really hope that they're able to figure things out because they do not want to be trying to do another rebuild, especially when they don't have the pieces. And obviously, like, keep in mind, it's, we're literally, like, one or two games into the season. So, like... Oh, yeah, of course. No, but I'm, I'm just, like, speculating. No, I they do not want to be in that position. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just saying, like, for my point, I was like, if I know I'm talking about, like, you know, Dame potentially leaving after one game <laughs> when it was a close loss. So I was just saying, like, I'm, I'm sort of trying to forecast the future as well. As yeah, about this current. It's like the equivalent of right now being like, Russell Westbrook needs to be traded. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that. <laughs> what, uh, do we, what do we get for him? A bag of chips? I'll take I think it. A, a new printer. New printer, a bag of chips, and a soda. I'll take it. All right, but moving on to the next segment, let's talk about the Ben Simmons news. It's not a timeout talk podcast episode if we're not talking about Ben Simmons and DeMontis Sabonis, right? Or Kyrie. The Kyrie's a new character, I mean. Yeah, absolutely. We will but talk about Kyrie. Finally, some good Ben Simmons news. Um, let's talk about his, or not his comments, but Joel Embiid's comments that he made at the first game of the season. So do you know what he said, or should I take it? He essentially said, like, oh, don't make him the villain. Like, he's our boy. Like, he's our guy. Um, Let's support him. That sort of thing, right? Yeah, he was basically like, come on, he's going through a rough time. We got to help him out, you know, brotherly love, like all that. This is Philadelphia, like that kind of stuff. So uh, he did. This was the first time that Ben Simmons finally sat down with Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid and had a true conversation with them. And apologies were made from both sides. So we, we, we're going to see some pro- progress here in Philly. Um, we do know, though, that Ben Simmons did say he's going to need time. He's not mentally prepared to be in the game. So he obviously has some sort of mental block, which was kind of expected. But, you know, it's good to hear some positive news for once. Yeah, I mean, that is positive. But then it's also like, after hearing about the news um, that happened at the Sixers practice, that sort of counteracts it. And well, that happened before him. That was before. That is true. That is true. But I still think that, like Ben Simmons, I don't know if he. Do you think he's going to play a game for the Sixers this this season? Oh, absolutely, I do. And somebody who has battled mental health in the NBA, uh, Meta World Peace, otherwise known as Ron Artest, um, he was a guy in the league for a long time that had you know, anger management issues, and he suffered from depression. And he, before anybody else recognized it, said Ben Simmons has some sort of mental block. And seriously, he recognized that like over a year ago. And I thought it was funny. I thought you were about to say Ben Simmons is mentally ill. I was like, oh, my God. (laughs) No, no, no. No. (laughs) No, but like just he just said Ben Simmons has some sort of mental block. Um, and, you know, as somebody who'd gone through a lot mentally, he was able to recognize that and right. be in the NBA. So, like, as a guy who's got, gone through the motions of being in the season, stuff like that. Um, so he was able to recognize that. And Meta was never anybody who did much harm <laughs> as said at Malice at the Palace. Um, hey, he did elbow but, James Harden that one time. Or elbowing James Harden in the head or other people that he might have hurt severely. But, I don't know about that um, comment that just like, didn't do an, didn't do much harm. Like, 
I no, no, no. Like I'm saying, like from a team, from a team perspective. I oh, meant from yeah, a team yeah. perspective. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. So I think, I think, I think, I think Ben Simmons is going to come back. What do you Maybe. think? I thought, I think it'd be funny. Like, you know how at the practice or whatever, he refused to do that defensive drill. And that's why he got kicked out and suspended the first game. Mm-hmm. I thought it'd be funny if Ben Simmons like was so frustrated with the Sixers management that he just, when he gets placed into his first game, and he, he subs in or whatever, um, or actually who'd start, so no subbing in, but he just gets the ball and just starts launching it from wherever on the court, you know, just like catches it half court, launching that, catching it, <laughs> launching it. What if they all go in though? Huh? What if they all start going in? Fuck it, then because I was 30 then, you know, maybe this is the secret and the sixes end up being the one seed again. Yeah, that would be a funny, but um. What did you think of Doc Rivers' comment about, you know, Ben Simmons, like, trade rumors, where it's like they said that they were only open to trades if they were real difference makers for the team. Now that doesn't even matter if they have to use all four years of his contract, they are going to get a guy that's a difference maker if they're going to trade him. I think, actually, that was Daryl Morey. Now that I think okay. About it. But, so yeah, Daryl Morey. I think that just shows the Sixers are, like, actively seeking to get rid of Ben Simmons. There's no comment here. It's like, you know, we're going to try and make it work with him. Like, we'll see what happens. No, it's we're trying to get rid of the U.S. as fast as possible, but we're not going to settle and take a worse deal. Uh, we're going to get someone who's really going to come in and contribute. Um, and it doesn't matter how long it's going to take. So, yeah, I think that just sort of shows the priorities of the Sixers organization right now. And I think it would be actually hilarious if four years from now, Ben Simmons was still playing with the 76ers. How funny would that be? Yeah, if we had to look back on it, they'd be like, Ben, what do you think of your uh, episode four years ago? And they just like give him the mic and he's just like, um, no comment. No comment. But yeah, I think that's enough Ben Simmons talk. We'll see. I'm excited to see if he actually ends up playing a game and how that game ends up going. Uh, Sixers lost their home opener to the Nets. Um, and so, yeah, we'll see how the Sixers season goes as well alongside this Ben Simmons drama. But let's move on to last big story, NBA 75. Do you sort of want to explain to the audience what that is? Yeah, so about or exactly 50 years after the NBA's creation, the NBA decided to make something called the NBA 50, where they invited – or the NBA created the list of the top 50 players of all time who have ever played based on media analysts, former players, like – there were different criteria that they used to create the top 50 players of all time. And they all invited them all um, to a sort of meeting or gathering and they took photos together. And it was like this whole big event and it was a very celebrated one. So in honor of it now being the, the 75th anniversary of the NBA, the NBA added another 25 players to this list to commemorate 75. So there's now 70 plus 75 players in the list, but keep in mind, all of the former 50 players who were on this list stay on the list. So, you know, we could argue about the legitimacy of somebody who played in the 1950s being on this list as opposed to maybe a modern NBA player. But, you know, you have to respect some of the older grades. They stay on the list because it's respective to their time period. Yeah. So there's no argument to be made about maybe like, oh, you know, Anthony Davis is better than George Mikan. Like, you know, George Mikan was great in his time. And the, we're, we're talking about it in the time perspective. So um, we're just looking at the top 25 players in the past 25 years, essentially, or the past however many years. Um, but 
I'd like to just name the list of players who are included in this list. It's 25 new guys, but Ray Allen, Giannis, Mello, Kobe, Steph, AD, Tim Duncan, Kevin Durant, Kevin Garnett, James Harden, LeBron, Jason Kidd, Kawhi, Dame, Reggie Miller, Steve Nash, Dirk, Shaq, CP3, Paul Pierce, Dwayne Wade, Russell Westbrook, Allen Iverson, Gary Payton, and David Robinson. So you want to just talk about who you feel are the snubs? Yeah, I mean, like, we can talk about two specific examples and then just go through a list and say if they're snubs or not snubs. So two th- names that really come to mind are Dwight Howard and Clay Thompson, especially considering that Anthony Davis is on this list and Damian Lillard is on this list. I think that Dwight Howard almost unanimously should be in this list over Anthony Davis. Like, what accolades, what achievements does AD have over Dwight? Dwight led his team to the NBA Finals over LeBron James in 2008. He's been a three-time Defensive Player of the Year, eight-time All-NBA, eight-time All-Star, multiple-time All-Defensive Team, and is one of the best and, and was like pretty clearly the second best player in the league for a certain period of time. So the fact that he's on this list, but Anthony Davis is, is crazy to me. Like, seriously, what does Anthony Davis have over Dwight Howard? Yeah. Um, I literally can't name a single thing. And this, the thing is, this is, a, I feel like a very time biased thing. You also have to keep in mind that this is created by media analysts and, you know, different people like that. And a lot of the, the people inside the NBA, like have an unfavorable opinion of Dwight Howard just because of, you know, his history in between where he is now and when he was on the magic. So, I mean, I feel like there could be some bias in there, maybe some, a little bit of recency bias, but also just people who dislike him as a person, which I don't think is very fair. Um, but Dwight Howard 100% has the accolades. I mean, Anthony Davis still doesn't have a defensive player of the year. Dwight has three. Three of them. Yeah. And I mean, the, the only people who have that many um, are Hakeem. No, not Hakeem. Oh, my God. It's Dikembe Mutombo. And who else? Is it? It's not Rudy. Rudy has two, doesn't he? I think Rudy has three now. because. Oh, won. yes. So it's it's Rudy and Dwight and then Dikembe Mutombo. That, that's it. That's the whole list. Is Rudy Gobert snuff for this list? No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, Yes. <laughs> Rudy Gobert should have been the first guy they added. What were they thinking? No, but all seriousness, though, you can't even say that AD is a championship, like, and that's why he's on the list because Dwight Howard won a championship too. He was on that, yeah. like, and he he had a meaningful contribution. Yes, he wasn't the star, but he did have meaningful contribution. Where at the same time, you know, uh, AD won the championship with LeBron, and Dwight got past LeBron to get to the NBA Finals, but le- fell short to Kobe Bryant. So it's not like his competition that he was playing against was weak. I mean, he lost to the best of the best and also defeated the best of the best in, you know, the 2009 run of, of um, I'm sorry, of LeBron. Holy yeah. crap. I couldn't say the name LeBron. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, LeBron is, is – he was tearing through the East, and then Dwight Howard comes in there and goes, uh, I don't think so. You know, that alone I honestly think – is makes Dwight worthy of a lot of this accolades or a lot of these accolades and being on this list. I mean, people forget 
there was a time where Dwight Howard is a consensus top three player in the NBA. Like, yeah, he, he was top five in MVP voting six years in a row. Yeah, and, and this guy is like winning defensive player of the year left and right, led his team to the NBA finals over LeBron. Like, why is he not in? I will never know. And I think you might be right that there might be some unfavorable biases just because of his past. Um, and that might be the reason. But let's move on to another like very questionable pick, and that's Damian Lillard, who is on the NBA 75, but Clay Thompson was not. So what do you think of that? Man, I think that is a real shame. For one, let me preface this. Damian Lillard is an incredible player, and like, there's no denying that Damian Lillard, skill-wise, is better than Clay Thompson. I don't think anybody – people are really trying to make the argument that if you – who are you taking, Clay Thompson or Damian Lillard? But this is a list of the top 75 players of all time, and this includes accolades, um, you know, how just overall as a player, how did you do in your career? And Clay Thompson definitely has a better resume than Damian Lillard. Yeah. It's just that plain and simple. He has his the championships. He has a, a dynasty. I mean, his team was 73 and nine. Um, and then, I mean, he, he just he, three rings that the rings don't lie. Dame doesn't have a single one. I mean, Clay is going to go down as the second best treater in history of all time. But then, so I think he will. But yeah, no, he's definitely going to be up there. And the fact that Dame is on there, like, Dame's accolades include Mickey Mouse bubble MVP and X amount all star, you know? Like, and like what being clutch, like that isn't, a, that isn't an award, like the clutch award. Yeah. So I don't know about that. I think Dame is definitely like top 100, but definitely shouldn't have been included over uh, Clay Thompson. So yeah, I'm gonna have to agree. Now I, I just want to sort of do like a speed round. I'm gonna I'm gonna name a name, and you're gonna tell me if they're a snub or not a snub. Okay. There's one on one person on this list I do want to go into a little bit, but for the most part, okay, it's so fine. You ready? Yep. Tracy McGrady. What'd you say? No. Okay. Kyrie Irving. No. Draymond Green. No. Andre Drummond. No. What? <laughs> just, thought I'd, just thought I'd throw that in there. Really? You don't think he's a snub? No. Okay. I don't. I, th- I think that rebounding is important, but not that important. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, Chris Bosch. No. Vince Carter. Yes. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. I mean, think of Vince Sanity. That's what I'm going to call it. <laughs> I mean... You know, his career that he developed in Toronto was really incredible. I mean, this guy was putting up consistently, like, what, 32, 33 points a game. He had just the, the, the finesse, the style he played with. I mean, the Nets, he played incredibly for. He, he got deep into the playoffs, and he did end up winning a championship. I mean, he, he won with the Nets, didn't he? With um, Did he not? He won one year, I think, with Jason Kidd. I don't think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the year that was the one year that he won. No. Yeah, he had. Yeah, that's what I thought. He with the Nets, he won. Really? Yeah, and he was an eight-time All-Star, All-NBA, first-team All-NBA multiple times. Um, I just think he has the accolades. 
Vince Carter never won a ring. What are you talking about? Did he not? Did he not ever win a ring? For some no. reason, I th- I'm confusing myself for sure. Okay, whatever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm, you know, I am... Uh... That's the title of this episode. NBA champion Vince Carter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, that's that's a great title. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take the, the L here. But, yeah, uh, no. I, I, def- I definitely... Okay, that definitely weakens his case. I, then, no, he's not a snub from this list. All right, so let's move on. Paul George. No. Manu Ginobili. No. Pau Gasol. No. Tony Parker. Yes, this is who I wanted to talk about. 100% Tony Parker. He absolutely deserves to be here on this list above Clay Thompson. Interesting. You want to go into why? Yeah, I mean, Tony Parker is the backbone. I mean, obviously, Tim Duncan as well. But it's the backbone of a dynasty that lasted a decade. I mean, he has a he. I mean, multiple time All Star. Like, well, how many times does? Well, what are his accolades? I, I don't know the exact stats, but well, he won four NBA championships. This is what's crazy to me: ninth leading, Finals MVP, six time NBA All Star, ninth leading all time scorer in the postseason. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that just shows how good good he was at least in the postseason. I mean. He, I mean, obviously, like the FIBA, whatever, doesn't count, but he was the Euro player of the year twice. He was the FIBA Euro MVP in 2013. He, I mean, like, I, I think that the accolades as far as like Olympics matters, and he did incredible in the Olympics for France. I don't think that matters. Um, because why would that matter to the NBA award, you know? Okay, I guess so. But he, all NBA rookie first team. But actually, I, I would like to say that I think Olympic medals do matter because the some of these guys in the, in the NBA they were including like their accolades in the Olympics. That's fair enough. Statistical I mean, I, backing. I didn't think they would, but I guess if they're doing that, they included the Olympics as statistical backing. I think that was something for Melo. Um, but he won a Finals MVP. Like that's no easy. Yeah, thing, he, not not only did he win the Finals MVP, but he won the Finals MVP and against Tim Duncan. Like that was his competition, and he won out. Like yeah. and he played better than Tim Duncan in that postseason. So like that, that was incredible. And he was all NBA first team uh, rookie in two thousand two, which is a pretty stacked class. Um, and he he was all NBA third team or once, and then all NBA second team twice. I think he has a better resume than Clay Thompson simply because I mean Clay Thompson has three rings and he's going to go down as one of the best scorers in history, but from the three point line, and he's the All Stars, but. Tony Parker has even more championships. And he also has a finals MVP to add on to that. And he has the all-stars. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, you know, we made the case and I, I think I would have to agree. Like, I think he definitely was a snub, but I think that about wraps it up for this episode. It's a good place to call it. You know, we're in the midst of the NBA season now, so we'll continue to see how these storylines progress. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you all next week with another episode. Thank you all so much for listening. Peace. Take care. Bye-bye.